This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching today. We want to thank you for tuning in. I'm certain we have those watching today for the first time. Thank you for taking the time to watch our telecast today. Today we want to talk about the glory of God. How do we glorify God in our lives today? I want you to stay tuned as we discuss that today. Now, on Getting to Know Your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course. I emphasize the course is free. We'd like to, for you to have the course that you might uh, understand a little bit more about the course itself and that you might know how to receive the course. Let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, one four. I'd like to read now from 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31. Therefore, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Everything we do in life should be to God's glory. To glorify God is to honor Him, to reverence Him, to pay homage to God. And God is a being worthy of being glorified by man. He's worthy of being glorified by man because He is a God of awesome power. He is a God of infinite presence. He is a God of wisdom and knowledge. And He is a God who is filled with goodness. Our God is worthy of being glorified. Unfortunately, all people do not glorify God in their lives. And people cannot glorify God when they do not allow God to be in control of their lives. Once God is in control, through our obedience to His will, by our believing in Him, repenting of our sins, confessing faith in Him, and by being baptized into His Son, then we are in a position to glorify God in our lives. The Bible teaches that we glorify God in the church. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 21, Paul wrote unto him, Be glory in the church throughout all ages, world without end. The church began on the day of Pentecost after Jesus was raised from the dead. The apostle Peter announced the conditions of salvation under the New Testament on that day by telling people who asked what shall we do to repent and to be baptized for the remission of their sins. And those who glorify Him, 
And our Lord taught in Matthew 7 and verse 7, Ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock, and it shall be open unto you. In Matthew chapter 21 and verse 22, Jesus said, Whatsoever you shall ask in prayer believing, you shall receive. Hence we glorify God by the prayers we pray. But we also glorify God by our presence. In Hebrews the 10th chapter, there are some passages that are often overlooked in the lives of many people. I want to read just a few passages from Hebrews 10, starting with verse 22. But, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much sore a punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and has insulted the Spirit of grace. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Some people read that and they read it like this, not forsaking the assembly. Well, that's not exactly what it says. You see, when the church comes together, when the church is assembled, I should be there. Be present when the church gathers. Suppose your son died while saving the life of another man. And the man whose life your son saved refused to attend your son's funeral. How would you live? How would you feel? You say, well, I would be insulted. How do you suppose God feels when those for whom his son died are not present on the Lord's day. When saints gather around the table of the Lord to commemorate his death and his suffering upon the cross. There needs to be in our time a greater respect for the Lord's day. John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, Revelation 1.10. We glorify God by our presence in worship on the Lord's day. May I encourage all of us to glorify God in this way in our lives. Another way we glorify God is that by the, our possessions. You see, that God has given to us 
in Psalms 116 and verse 12 that there is a statement made by the psalmist. It's really a question. What shall I render unto the Lord? The word render means to give, to dedicate, to consecrate. So the question is, what shall I give? What shall I consecrate? What shall I dedicate unto the Lord? For all of His benefits unto me. God has been so good to us all. God has blessed us in so many, many ways. To think about all of the material or physical benefits of God. To think about the freedom that we enjoy in America. They think about the very air that we breathe. They think about the homes in which we live, the automobiles in which we ride. They think about the jobs that we have. Think about our families. You you would not be able to number all of the blessings that God has given to us. Think about the blessing of health, if you're enjoying good health. You need to be so thankful for that. In Psalms 103 and verse 2, the psalmist there said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of His benefits. But sometimes we forget how good the Lord has been to us. We we forget about all of the physical blessings, the material things that God has given to us. And we take them for granted until they're taken away. It only takes a person to have a, uh, an illness for them to appreciate the blessing of good health. It only takes an individual to lose his or her job to appreciate the blessing of having a good job. It only takes the loss of one's home, maybe through bankruptcy, for them to realize the blessing of having a good home a good house in which to live. You see, let us not forget how God has blessed us all with material blessings. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God has given us the that are good gifts. They're not perfect, but they're good. But there are perfect gifts that God has given to us. He's given unto us His perfect Son to die upon the cross for us. He knew no sin, neither was any guile found in His mouth. 1 Peter 1, 21 to 23. He has given us the perfect law of liberty, James 1, 25, which is His will, His law, His word called the gospel. And He's given us the perfect church. Oh, there's the divine side of the church, the, the, the human side of the church where man is involved that is imperfect. But on the divine side, the church is perfect. God has given through His perfect law His perfect will, that is the perfect law of liberty, a perfect way to become a member of that church. He has given us a perfect way to worship Him in that church. Everything that He has given to us...
These are hard times. They are difficult times. But there are others that have had them before us. Let me call your attention to a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, did you notice that? A great trial of affliction. You see, in Macedonia, they had survived three civil wars. They knew what affliction was. They knew what hard times were. He said that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty. They were just not poverty stricken. They were in deep poverty. But this was what only as we had hoped. But they first gave themselves to the Lord, then to us by the will of God. These people had hard times. And these are the people who in Acts 16 and verse 9 had said, come over into Macedonia and help us. But these people are now saying with the material things, that was a request for spiritual help, and now they're saying, why don't you let us help you? What am I going to render unto the Lord for all of his benefits unto me? You think about the wealth that we have. And the poorest among us is wealthy compared to the way that some people in other parts of the world are having to live. Think about the cars that we have, the houses we have, the clothes that we wear, the telephones that we have, the iPhones, the the iPads, the computers that we have, the televisions that we have. You just name it. We have it. And I have, I have observed over time that there are people that will absolutely do without certain things that you would consider a necessity of life, such as clothes or food for their family, to have something they want. I've seen people come and ask for food that God has given to us for His glory. We glorify Him. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all of your increase. They also suggest we glorify God by purity of life. Question is asked in the 24th Psalm in verse 3, who is going to abide in the Lord's tabernacle and live in his holy hill? And the answer is given in verse 4, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart. God wants purity of life. That's why Jesus in Matthew 5 and 8 said, Blessed are the pure in heart. James 1.27 says, Pure religion. Undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. We, we, we are in the world. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Don't be conformed, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
You see, we're not to be conformed to the world. We're not to let the world squeeze us into its mold, as the Phillips translation reads of Romans 12. We're not to conform to the world system. Christians walk to the tune of a different drummer. And we glorify God. You see, purity. Why, in your use of things such as Facebook, posting tweets, purity ought to be a consideration. We glorify God by our lives of purity. I'm aware of the fact that we live in a world that's a pretty impure world. But, but Christians are to set a different standard. And I know that it's not always an easy thing to do to set a good standard because of the pressures there are on us. But we glorify God when we strive to live that life of purity in the world, not of the world. I, I saw some, I heard a man that tried to illustrate that. And, and he took a stovepipe and the inside of that stovepipe was black, filled with soot, and he asked a, a group of young people, tell me how I could take this white handkerchief and pass that white handkerchief through that stovepipe that is filled with soot and ash. That wide the paper bag through the blackened stovepipe, and when he got it out, he opened up the bag, and the handkerchief was still pure white. He says, now the way that you got that through that stovepipe is the same way that you get through this life without being tainted with the world. You must be insulated from the world, not in a bag, but in Jesus Christ. And when you live a life in Jesus Christ, even though we all make mistakes, and we all make, say things sometimes we ought not to say as Christians, do things we ought not to say as Christians, but the Bible teaches that if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. As long as we live that faithful Christian life, we stay pure, clean, and white in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we glorify God by purity of life. We also glorify God by perseverance by that attitude that I will never quit. Paul said in Galatians 6 verse 9, Be not weary in well-doing, 
But for in due season we'll reap if we faint not. Some had fainted. Back in the fifth chapter in verse 7, he said, You did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? Friend, don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. I have talked to people who were so despondent that they were almost ready to give up on life itself. Never give up. And we glorify God by having the attitude that I'm not ever going to quit. Let, let me recite a poem that someone wrote. Let me recite the first verse of the poem. Go on, go on, go on. Now let me recite the second verse. Go on, go on, go on. I have an idea you're already ahead of me for the third verse, aren't you? Go on, go on, go on. It's not much poetry there, but there's a great lesson. Keep going on. Online. We want to thank you for watching today. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. From my very first day at Faulkner, it's been an incredible experience. There's so much to do around campus and I know that I've made friends that will last a lifetime. I love using my iPad in my classes. I feel really prepared for the future. Plus, the use of e-text helps me cut costs on textbooks. At Faulkner University, we seek to educate the whole person, including mind, spirit, and soul. That's what makes us different from most other universities. Visit our website today to see what Faulkner has for you. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ.